Welcome to Sundays with Montrose Bible Church. We're glad you're here to join us in the study of God's Word. Good morning. Welcome to Montrose Bible Church as we celebrate this, the final Sunday in the Advent season. And I have the honor and privilege of sharing with you from God's Word today. We've been spending our time in Psalms this Advent season, and today we will be continuing in Psalm 72. The subject of the season has been the King of Glory. We've already established that the King of Glory is indeed the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Despite coming as a child, we have seen that he came as a king with authority. He also came as a deliverer to beat both sin and death. His coming was predicted and his return is certain. While we don't know the time, we anxiously await the return of the Messiah King. So today we'll be looking in Psalm 72. If you would, you could turn your Bible please to Psalm 72 and follow along with me. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted with justice. Let the mountains bring peace to the people and the hills in righteousness. May he vindicate the afflicted of the people, save the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. Let them fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he come down like rain upon the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and abundance of peace till the moon is no more. May he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Let the nomads of the desert bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. Let the king of Tarshish and the islands bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts and let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him for he will deliver the needy when he cries for help. The afflicted also and him who has no helper. He will have compassion on the poor and needy, and the lives of the needy he will save. He will rescue their life from oppression and violence, and their blood will be precious in his sight. So may he live, and may the gold of Sheba be given to him. And let them pray for him continually. Let them bless him all day long. May there be abundance of grain in the earth, on top of the mountains, its fruit will wave like the cedars of Lebanon. And may those from the city flourish like vegetation of the earth. May his name endure forever. May his name increase as long as the sun shines and let men bless themselves by him. Let all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders and blessed be his glorious name forever. And may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, praise, glory, and honor are due you and your name. 
We thank you for the life we've been given in your son. Lord, please bless our time together as we study your word. Give us the attitude of worship that you deserve as we end this Advent season. May your words be spoken here today. We love you. We want to exalt you this day and all that follow. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Now, in many of your Bibles, you'll find a title for this psalm, something like the reign of the righteous king, perhaps. The name of the author is going to vary a little bit by version. Uh, some versions will credit the psalm to Solomon, who is going to be king. Some will credit it to David. The end of the psalm seems to indicate that it is a psalm of David, but the author is really not going to matter much as we continue. We know this is the word of God, and it's his message to us, his people. While this prayer is for an earthly king, the characteristics and the accomplishments of this ideal earthly king can be seen as a picture of the king of glory that has come and will return. Some of the things that David prayed for have been completed, and we wait for the return of Christ, the reigning king, to accomplish the rest. The Psalms begin with a request for the king to be a righteous judge. Jesus is a king with a kingdom. Jesus speaks of a kingdom that has been granted to him by God the Father in Luke, chapter 22, verses 27 to 30. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table of the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The kingdom of Jesus is not a worldly kingdom, but a much greater kingdom. Jesus tells Pilate about his kingdom and confirms he is king in John, chapter 18, verses 36 and 37. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that it would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. As for righteousness, the scripture shows he is the only righteous one. And in Acts chapter 7, verses 51 to 53, Stephen rebukes the church leaders in his sermon to the Sanhedrin, pointing out who is the righteous one. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become, you who received the law as ordained by the angels and yet did not keep it. Following Stephen's sermon, he was stoned to death. 
The first attribute of this righteous king is that he will judge. Look at verse 2. May he judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted with justice. In Acts 10, Peter recognizes Jesus as the judge. Look with me at verse 42 of Acts 10. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and dead. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus explains this judgment. Look at Matthew 25, 31 to 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. And he will say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. And he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Those will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The king of glory will be the righteous judge of all. And in his judgment, he will bring justice for the afflicted. If you look up affliction in the dictionary, you get the following response. A cause of persistent pain or distress, great suffering, the state of being afflicted by something that causes suffering. Many of the Psalms cried out for God to deliver them from their suffering. They were anticipating a king who had arrived to crush their enemies Jesus came to conquer the enemy that afflicts us and causes suffering. That is sin. And the result of that sin, he also conquered, which is death. 
in verse 3 and verses 5 through 7, we see the result of the reign of such a righteous and just judge. Peace and blessings. The people will respect their king. The righteous will flourish and peace will be abundant. The second attribute of the righteous king is that he will rule over the entire earth. Look at verses 8 to 11. May he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Let the nomads of the desert bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. Let the king of Tarshish and the islands bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. And let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. This prayer of or for Solomon was that all people would recognize him as the only king. And that Solomon would be the earthly king who, because of the blessing of God, would rule over the whole earth. Well, King Solomon's empire was a great empire. It would still fall short of ruling over everyone, everywhere. The king of glory, on the other hand, will rule over everything on his return. Remember, he has already shown his authority over sin and death, also over the things of creation, through miracles that he performed while he was here. But the Messiah King, who is now reigning with his Father in heaven, will return to rule over all creation, and judge all the inhabitants. Look at Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do notice that the glory goes to God the Father. The next section, verses 12 to 15, show the righteous king as the deliverer. And that is the third attribute of a righteous king. Look at verse 12 to 15. For he will deliver the needy when he cries for help, the afflicted also. And him who has no helper, he will have compassion on the poor and needy, and the lives of the needy he will save. He will rescue their life from oppression and violence, and their blood will be precious in his sight. May he live, and may the gold of Sheba be given to him, and let them pray for him continually. Let them bless him all day long. The king of the psalm needs to be compassionate, as we read in verse 13. This compassion and concern for his people would be easily seen in how he rules over the very least of them, the poor, the oppressed, the helpless, and the needy. Jesus displayed these very characteristics numerous times. One example is found in Matthew 20, verses 29 to 34. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? 
They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Another example is found in John, chapter 11, verses 32 to 35. This is the account of the raising of Lazarus. Jesus had arrived on the scene after Lazarus had already been entombed for four days following his death. Jesus' compassion shows in the text. Starting in verse 32. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus not only displays compassion, but he calls for those of us in his kingdom to do the very same. Look at Matthew 9, 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And again in Luke, chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. And again in Luke 10, verses 30 to 37. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on the, that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and came to him, bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Mercy, compassion, and love are on display as Jesus delivered us from the things that only he could. We heard earlier in the Advent series how the king of glory not only came as a king, but he came with power to overcome sin and death. Sin is one of the greatest oppressors. It causes us to live outside of God's presence. The result of that sin is death. The king of glory came that he might show mercy and compassion by delivering us from the hold of our sin. As a king, he humbled himself to our lowly state, took on our sins, that we might have a way to stand in the presence of God. This is the merciful and glorious king of glory, whose humble birth we celebrate this Advent season. The final result of this reign of righteousness of a righteous king would be abundance and peace. Look at verses 16 and 17. 
May there be abundance of grain on the earth, on top of the mountains. Its fruit will wave like the cedars of Lebanon. And may those from the city flourish like vegetation of the earth. May his name endure forever. May his name increase as long as the sun shines. And let men bless themselves by him. Let all nations call him blessed. John Poole says this of the abundance that's spoken of here. It shall yield such abundance of corn that the ears, being thick and high and full of corn, shall, when they are shaken with the wind, make a noise, not unlike that which the tops of the trees of Lebanon sometimes make upon the like occasion. This measure of abundance and prosperity becomes the measuring stick for many earthly kings. The things that they do to create abundance tends to create prosperity for some at the expense of others. Thus the afflicted we've spoken of. This kind of prosperity leads to little peace. David knew that God would bless a kingdom with abundance that wasn't the result of greed, but the result of godliness. Verse 17 refers to the name of this king and how it shall endure forever and all the nations shall call him blessed. Look at verse 17. May his name endure forever. May his name increase as long as the sun shines and let men bless themselves by him. Let all nations call him blessed. Acts 4.12 speaks to the power of Jesus' name. And there is salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And in Philippians 2.9, the name of Jesus is placed above all names. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. The name of Jesus surely will endure forever. Verse 18 may look familiar. They're the very first words that came out of Zacharias's mouth upon the birth of his son, John the Baptist. If you recall, Zacharias had lost the ability to speak because of his disbelief that his wife was to bear the forerunner of Christ. He was mute until Elizabeth's baby was born. Advent seems to always be calling us back to look at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. And while that is a good thing to remember, it can lead us to believe that the story is over. But the truth is, there is still much for us to do and much to happen. Our study in the Psalms began with our introduction to the King of Glory long before the birth of Jesus. We have seen how this King of Glory has come, and we have looked at the King of Glory's coming as a babe and his return as a reigning king. The psalm we looked at today shows us that Christ is the righteous ruler that the psalmist prayed for, and he will come again as the righteous king. The question becomes why? Why will the king of glory come? Perhaps the answer lies partly in why Jesus came to earth in the first place. Look at John 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. God has already deemed it so. Jesus came because this was and is God's will. Last week, Joe spoke of the sovereignty of God, 
The idea that God has all authority and his plan is perfect. The king of glory came because it was part of God's eternal plan. And he will come again for that very same reason. His purpose in coming again, which is slightly different, may be more the answer we seek. He will come as a king to reign over his kingdom. He will be the perfect king. He will judge in righteous. He will reign as king over all. He will deliver his people with compassion for the afflicted, for the needy, and establish abundance and peace in the kingdom. This is the plan God has for his people. That doesn't mean we are to sit in the wings and wait for him to come. Our life needs to be dedicated to preparation for meeting him face to face. We need to obey his word. We need to walk the narrow path of our faith, pointing to him as the one who saves, exalting him daily as we do his will. We were given a gift at Christmas that allows us to continue. As believers, we are given the gift of hope for this time and until his return. This hope is a gift to us by his mercy. It is a hope that the rest of the world doesn't have. It is what causes us to live for him, to offer our life as a living sacrifice, as we are called to do. Look at 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And look at Titus chapter 3, verse 9. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And Romans 8.24, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, perseverance we wait eagerly for it. So this baby, born under miraculous circumstances 2,000 years ago, is the king of glory. He is the righteous and just king. He is our only hope, not the kind of hope that is no more than wishful thinking, but one rooted in faith, in the belief that the king of glory has indeed come and will come again to complete what was begun 2,000 years ago. This Christmas, might we remember the Christ child, the savior of us all, by living a life that prepares for his return. May hope abound in your heart this season. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are awestruck with who you are and what you've done. Lord, we eagerly await your return. Lord, we pray that you'd give us strength and courage to walk the road that you have for each one of us. May your light be seen in us. I pray that we might take this the celebration of the birth of Jesus and make it a daily celebration, one that exalts and glorifies you. We thank you for all of the wonderful gifts that have come to us because of Jesus. And it is in his wonderful name we pray.
We trust you were challenged by the word of the Lord and invite you to join us again. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry in Montrose, come worship with us at 930 every Sunday along Lake Avenue.